You're listening to the HR Mixtape, your podcast with the perfect mix of practical advice, thought-provoking interviews, and stories that just hit different so that work doesn't have to feel, well, like work. Now, your host, Sherry Simpson. Joining me today is Dr. Fred Raffleson, CEO of Raffleson and Associates LLC. Dr. Raffleson is an established national expert in industrial organizational psychology, organizational and individual assessments, and a resident of Bend, Oregon. Dr. Raffleson has conducted assessments for private sector, federal, state, and county municipality agencies. He also serves as an expert for employment litigation cases and works closely with agencies under DOJ consent decrees. Fred, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. My pleasure. Always a pleasure talking to you. It's so great to have you back for us to have a chat. You know, you have a really interesting background, and I'd love if you could dive into a little bit around kind of the core principles of IO psychology and its relevance today in the workplace, which I think it, it is really relevant right now. Yeah, sure. And and I love the question. And I think people always hear about IO psychologists, but they really don't know what that means. You know, to everyone, a psychologist is someone where you lay down on the couch and you talk about your problems. And that's not at all what IO psychology is. You know, it is psychology. So we are looking at people and what they think about, but it's specific to um to, to job settings. So we really focus on understanding human behavior in, in organizations, in organizational settings. And our, our goal is sort of really to improve the performance and well-being of employees and organiz- the organizations that they work for. So um, core principles. I know we only have 20 minutes, but I'm going to give you like three hours on core principles here. Um, because it's yeah, obviously for me, it's really cool. It's what I've done forever and will continue to do until I can't anymore. And I think the more people learn about it, it's really interesting. And hopefully they'll reach out to IO psychologists to help with some of these issues. So um, I always like to put personnel selection first. That's my thing. I'm, I'm a selection guy, but you know, IO psychologists are involved in the process of hiring and promoting individuals. We develop and validate assessments like um, structured interviews, psychometric tests, personality assessments, cognitive ability tests. Again, you can see why that's psychology. We're trying to measure what's inside a person's head. So, you know, today's job market is super competitive and we want to help select the right candidate for the right job. It's, it's never been more crucial than it is today. So that's sort of one core thing. So now you've got someone hired. What's next? And we could, we help with training and development. So um, we help design and evaluate um, training and development programs, make sure that these your new employees have the skills that they need, um, especially as the pace of technology is accelerating. Ongoing, you know, training and development, is it's increasingly important. So I'm sure most of your listeners are scratching their heads every day over, over training and development, learning and development. So great, we've hired them, we've trained them, now they're working. Let's, how well are they working? So performance appraisal, we look at that. Um, you know, IO psychologists design systems to evaluate um, employee performance fairly and accurately. And I think that's sort of the, the difference there. Certainly a lot of people have performance appraisals, but they're not always fair or accurate. And they're not always looking at, you know, what is this person really supposed to be doing? So especially with the rise of, you know, remote work and more fluid organizational structures, having an effective performance appraisal system is, is really critical to ensuring that employees understand their roles, that they're recognized for their contributions. Uh, so that's a really important thing we do. 
So we kind of kind of make this you know sort of flow. So now we've got them working. We're appraising, you know, evaluating their performance. Are they motivated and engaged? So that's a big deal for IO psychologists. And again, you can see why that's psychology, right? Working at motivation, engagement. And we want to understand what drives employees um, to perform. So we look at things like job satisfaction, goal setting, and feedback. And we try to design interventions that will boost motivation. Um, you know, in a time when a, uh, this is a time sort of when employee engagement is really a challenge um, and understanding motivation and being able to, to work with it, increase motivation, uh, it's more relevant than ever. Our, our workforce is just really dynamic now. And, and I mean, you constantly read about, you know, quiet quitting, quiet firing, all this stuff, right? So, um, and, and anyone who works knows, like, I, I want to be motivated. I want to be engaged. I want to enjoy my job. I'm going to be a better employee. It's better for me. It's better for the organization. So that's a lot of focus on the individual. But another thing IO psychologists do is we look at the organization as a whole and we focus on organizational behaviors. So we look at things like team dynamics. We also look at leadership and organizational culture. These are really big topics and really cool and important topics. And especially now, again, organizations are becoming more diverse and global. And really understanding those dynamics can help us to build cohesive, productive teams and more efficient and more productive organizations, you know, that can increase the bottom line and increase employee engagement. It really should be a win, win, win for everyone. And we can help to do that. Um, sort of along those lines, we, we do in, you know, in a more traditional sort of psychology role, we look at occupational health. We look at the, the mental well-being of employees, looking at things like work-related stress, work-life balance and burnout. Again, you know, you think so much about remote working and, and these are huge topics and especially consider people are working more than one job now online. It's, it's very common um, and jobs can be very stressful and goals can be very stressful. And, you know, there's really, I think, a rising awareness of mental health issues and the need for work-life balance, especially in the post-pandemic era. It's, it's really a highly relevant um, area now. So um, I think, uh, you know, I could go on and on, but I want to get to some of your other questions. But I, I will talk about one more thing. I think diversity and inclusion, and I know that's sort of the theme that runs through your question. But again, with a globalizing workforce, increasing awareness of social issues, um, you know, fostering a diverse and inclusive environment is really paramount. And IO solutions or IO psychologists contribute by studying biases, developing interventions and assessments to promote inclusion, and really ensuring that organizational practices are fair for everyone. So, I mean, I guess to sort of wrap it up, you know, IO psychology really plays a pivotal role in helping organizations adapt to sort of the uh, evolving demands of the modern workforce. And our core principles sort of provide tools and frameworks to improve both individual and organizational effectiveness, uh, making us hopefully highly relevant in today's work environment. So that's my sort of psychologist answer to your question. I love that. I feel like you just outlined, you know, 10 more podcast episodes for us to dive into each one of those I, I'm topics. telling you, I think we should talk a lot. Yeah. Um, I do want to dive into a little bit around personnel assessments. And I, I love your perspective on ha how HR should be approaching those 
now with all the things you mentioned around the modern workforce and that layer of you know diversity, equity, inclusion? Great, because personnel assessment is clearly one of my favorite topics. And it's a fundamental aspect of HR management. And when approached methodically and ethically, um, personnel assessment really ensures that the right people are hired, developed, promoted, all those things that we just talked about. So what I'd like to do, and I always like to do, is sort of give you a takeaway, right? So so a, kind of a structured approach for HR um, to handle personnel assessment, and hopefully people can take notes and really make some bullet points, like here's what I need to do, not just listen to Fred talk. So um, the first thing I think is define clear objectives, right? Before beginning the assessment, HR really needs to clarify, what are you, what are we trying to achieve? Is it for hiring, promotion, training needs, identification, you know, or other purposes? Let's be really um, explicit about our, object, our objectives. So now we know what we're doing, we need to do a job analysis. We really need to thoroughly understand the job in question um, and understand the knowledge and skills and abilities and the other characteristics, personal characteristics, personality traits, motivations, behaviors, what's required for success in that role. That job analysis is the foundation for any assessment project. And just sort of as an aside, I serve um, as uh, an expert witness for uh, employment litigation cases involving testing. And I was just uh, in, in a, a big case. Um, and the, I was uh, an expert for the plaintiff and it was a class action suit. And, and, you know, the defendants lost the case because their assessment uh, program was not based on a good job analysis. So we were able to say, well, not only is this process uh, clearly biased against um, minority candidates, which it was, but in addition to that, it, it just wasn't predicting who was going to be best for the job because you didn't do a good job of defining the job in the first place. So really, a job analysis is critical. We're going to do two more podcasts just on job analysis, but I'm going to move on now. So now we've, we've looked at the job. We know what's necessary. We know the knowledge, skills, abilities, and other characteristics. We call those KSAOs, by the way. So if you ever hear that term thrown around, that's what it is. We're not rocket scientists by any means. Um, so choose the right tools now. We know that we know um, what we need to measure. So let's choose tools that are valid and, and um, reliable for measuring those specific attributes and skills. And common tools include things like structured interviews, um, cognitive ability tests, personality assessments, situational judgment tests, all of those types of things. Um, are available to to measure those important KSAOs because what we know is, and again, it's not rocket science. Here's what's required for the job. We measure the person. Here's what they have. The better the fit, the more successful they're going to be, the more engaged they're going to be, um, and it's going to be better for them, better for the organization, all the things that we've been talking about until now. So now we've got our test. We want to ensure legal and ethical compliance. You know, we want to make sure that all our tools and processes um, are compliant with local laws and regulations like the EEOC uh, guidelines. Uh, most of your folks listening to this, I'm sure, are familiar with that. And those are absolutely critical, right? We want to make sure that our test and our process, every part of our process is free from bias and doesn't result in unintended, unintended discrimination. And, you know, I think that's the thing people don't realize. Like, we could have the best intentions, but sometimes there is unintended bias or discrimination, and we can, we constantly have to check for that. And one of the ways to avoid that, I think, is by standardizing the process. So to ensure that 
you know, we administer the same assessments consistently for all candidates. We score them the same way using uniform criteria. And that's not just for, you know, a psychometric or an ability test. That's for a structured interview, too. So put everyone on the same platform. We want, we want a level playing field. We want everyone to be able to demonstrate, you know, their likelihood of being successful on the job, regardless of their gender, ethnicity, geography, disability, you know, that shouldn't play a part. Um, and we've always known that, but now it's really in the limelight and it's something that we really need to, to look at. Um, I think, again, I want to kind of keep this short, so I'm going to skip some of my points for you, but one of the things I touched on was structured interviews. And I think a really important point in the structured interviews is assessor training. So, I think when you select your assessors or your raters, the people that are going to listen to the candidate and, and make those those ratings, um, let's make sure that they're properly trained on how to administer and score the interview and score the assessment, um, that they're looking for the proper behaviors in their rating scales, that they're not rating uh, based on errors like, you know, halo error or similar to me error. That's a big one that I tend to fight all the time. So we want to make sure that they're really measuring the things that they're supposed to be measuring. And it's amazing the difference that um, assessor or rater training can make to ensuring that, uh, that a, a process is valid and does a good job. I think then we want to continuously review and improve the process. You know, how did it work? What went well? What didn't go well? And let's, let's update that, right? Um, and then, of course, I think Integrating multiple assessment methods is critical. The more holistic we can uh, develop our assessments uh, by combining different tools and methods, um, the, the more valid the assessment's gonna be. And that's because each of those tools captures sort of a different component or a different piece of what's gonna make someone successful. So the more of those pieces we can get, the more valid uh, uh, decision we're gonna make. So. You know, combine cognitive tests with structured interviews and personality tests. Um, get a comprehensive view of a candidate's suitability for the role. Document everything, which you're already probably really good at. Um, stay updated. Watch podcasts. Listen to podcasts like this. You know, read. Um, continuous learning is great. It keeps us from, um, you know, terrible things happening to our minds. And it's fun. So do that. Um, so really sort of... I mean, I could talk a lot more about it, but, you know, I guess sort of in conclusion, the right approach to personnel selection uh, and assessment can really enhance the quality of hiring and other HR decisions and lead to better organizational outcomes. But it's really imperative that HR approach the process systematically, ethically, and with an openness to continuous um, learning and improvement. That sort of that's that. How do you see the advancements of AI and digital platforms you know, shaping the future of these types of assessments? So that's a huge topic, um, you know, one for a couple more podcasts, but a really great and clearly timely topic, right? Who doesn't use AI every day, even if they're not aware of it, right? So I think the rise of AI and digital platforms, it's clearly already begun to shape the landscape of personnel assessments and its influence is absolutely expected to grow in the coming years. And here are some of the ways that I guess technology might shape the future of personnel assessments. For one, automated resume screening. Um, AI-driven platforms can process vast numbers of resumes quickly, looking for keywords and patterns and other relevant factors and really help shortlist the most suitable candidates. Um, and this can really in, uh, enhance the efficiency and reduce the chances of, of overlooking 
um, qualified applicants. You know, you get some beautiful resumes uh, that are professionally done and they spend a lot of money and you get some resumes that you know, some amazing candidates have had to put together on their own and maybe they don't look as nice, but boy, you pull the information out of there and that's, that's an amazing candidate that you might have overlooked otherwise. Um, I think um, digital assessment centers is a really cool thing. And for those of you that aren't familiar with assessment centers, those are sort of where we put candidates uh, through multiple sort of live exercises to assess various skills and aptitudes. It's really big in leadership. It's big in public safety for promotions. A lot of different jobs use them for hiring. Um, and they're expensive. They're hard to do. You have to put these things together, hire live actors. Well, digital versions of assessment centers now can offer simulations, role plays, other tasks online, and really allow for remote assessment and real-time data collection that we could never do before. It's very cool. And I think that's a big uh, move towards the future, something we can look at. Um, AI-driven video interviews. I, I picked that because you're seeing a lot of that. I must get you know 20 emails a day about AI video interviews. Um, there's a lot of companies doing them now. And you know AI can take your verbal responses uh, using NLP, natural language processing, convert them to text, run them through processors that can give you personality dimensions. Um, they can really look at how well you're answering, um, you know, sort of skill-driven and behavioral questions. And although we're not at a point where we can do this now, and I really caution you if you are doing this now, and there have been companies that had started doing this, and then because of all the problems, they were pretty much forced to stop. But in the future, we're going to be able to really analyze facial expressions, tone quality, um, and, and really provide you with valid and fair insights about candidates' emotional intelligence, truthfulness, suitability for a role. We're not there yet. I think those types of assessments tend to be really fraught with bias right now, and, and I'm not comfortable um, recommending them to anyone, although, of course, there are vendors out there that have them and say use them. They're great, but I would, I, you know, talk to me. I would really caution you about that, but we're clearly going to go that way. Um, and um, I think another fun thing that's really going to be in the future might, is going to be like virtual reality and augmented reality. Uh, we can cre create immersive assessment environments, allowing for realistic job previews, skill assessments, situational judgment tests. I mean, I can't even imagine what we're going to be able to do with that, but I do know it's going to be super, super cool. So I think that's a big uh, thing to look for in the future. Of course, integrating with learning platforms is something we're going towards now and we'll clearly iron out, but, you know, integrating personnel assessments with, okay, what are the skills and abilities that, that we need to develop for this person? We can automatically put these learning programs. It's not going to be everyone joins my company. Everyone goes through the same L&D and the same onboarding, like this is specific for Fred and this is specific for Sherry. Hers is a lot shorter because she knows more than Fred. And we can really sort of, you know, tailor these things, which is going to be great. You know, it's going to save time. It's going to be more effective. It's going to be more personal. So there's a lot more, but I think just kind of the potential benefits of AI and technology and personnel assessments are, are huge. But I do want to point out there's challenges and concerns as well, and that's you know another topic. But there's issues related to privacy, data security, ethical use of AI, you know transparency about how AI decisions are made. We're going to need to address all of those. And another thing that is really true is I think it's 
vital to ensure that the human touch in recruitment and assessment process is not completely lost. And, and I'm going to fight that. And I know there's other people that are going to fight the other side of that. But I really feel that human judgment is always going to play a critical role in understanding the really nuanced aspects of a candidate's suitability. And, you know, I'm a psychologist, so I feel that way. But, you know, I talk to, to you, Sherry, and I see you and I know you and I, 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 it's important. And I don't think those things should be lost. So, you know, while technology is undeniably going to play a pivotal role in shaping the future of personnel assessments, I think a balanced approach that combines the strengths of AI with human insight um, is going to likely yield the best results. So I'm going to end it at, at that. Well, I think you gave us a lot to think about, Fred, and uh, I definitely am going to have you back because we just touched the surface on some of the things that you mentioned that I'd love to dig into more in a previous episode, especially about, you know, what the future of IO psychology means for organizations. So I really appreciate you taking a few minutes of your day to, to dig in a little bit about the core principles around IO psychology and um, how we should be thinking about personnel assessments. My pleasure. I, I hope your uh, listeners enjoyed it and, and invite me back. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find show notes and links at thehrmixtape.com. Come back often and please subscribe, rate, and review.